Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we've overcome. Welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We are currently studying in the book of the he- the letter <laughs> to the Hebrews, and um, we are in chapter 12. Now, um, chapter 12 has been um, largely about discipline, about God's discipline to his people, uh, how that discipline is to be received, and warnings against not receiving that discipline the way that we should. That's where we left off last time. And we looked at verses 16 and 17, where we saw Esau as an example of someone who did not value God, did not value his relationship to God or the things that are associated with God. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. So um, we saw that and the warnings that are associated with that type of mindset or attitude. The good thing is, is that that came out of that lesson, I think, for me, is that the faithfulness of God to not leave us in that place. There's a danger of going to that place, and I think God will allow you to go to that place so that you can learn and I can learn about who he is in relationship to us, his faithfulness, and our desperate need for his grace and his love. And so the warning was given to not go to that place, but if for some reason a root of bitterness does spring up and trouble you, um, God has grace to, to bring you from that place. Uh, Esau, unfortunately, did not have the love of God. God openly said that he hated him, that he placed his love upon Jacob, the rascal. Um, so Esau didn't have that opportunity that we have under this relationship of grace with God. And you know, that should really accentuate to us the value uh, and the, the preciousness of the blood of Christ as, as it was shed on our behalf. So now we're going to move over into the, uh, the next part of that um, kind of argument that the writer's given, where he's going to go into more detail about uh, not the negative side, but more the positive side of the relationship that we have under this new covenant. And these believers, these Hebrew believers really needed that. They were going through some very, very difficult things. And I I think that believers today are probably going through some very, very difficult things. And there's more difficult things to come. Uh, This world is um, going to hell in a handbasket, but it's all in God's timing and his control. So we have to be prepared for the challenges that we're going to face as we seek to please God and minister in light of where we are um, as a world, as a nation, uh, as a people, how we relate to one another and how we have to overcome a lot of things that uh, are adversarial to us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So I'm going to go ahead and read these verses and then we'll get into the study. Starting with verse 18 in King James Version, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. 
For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the ecclesia, the church, meaning the ecclesia of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So I'm going to stop there. This is a lot to try to cover in one lesson. So I'm going to try to kind of limit myself so that I don't, you know, just keep on going forever. So what's me? We'll start from verse 18. So what he's saying, he says, for ye are not come unto a mount that might be touched. What does he mean there? Well, in times past, when the nation Israel was first being formed, when they were being delivered, when they were delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians and they were in the desert, they came to Mount Sinai. And when they came to Mount Sinai, that was where Moses went to meet with God on their behalf to receive the law, the first, uh, the Ten Commandments, and uh, as well as subsequently the rest of the law. So that was the experience. And you have to think about the pictures being painted here of God, this great and terrible voice coming from a mountain that was on fire with loud noises and trumpets. And it was terrifying for them to meet God. It was terrifying, right? And that's, but that was the only way they could meet God because God is holy and they are sinners. So there was not a mediator yet to break down that, that curtain, that partition that is between the holy place and the holy of holies. Man could not come to God. Uh, he could, could not draw near to God. So that's why Moses had to go. And even Moses was terrified. He says in verse 18, For ye are not come unto a mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire nor into blackness and darkness of a tempest. So they saw this, this darkness, this storm of darkness. I mean, they were terrified because this is how God presented himself because there was a buffer between him and his holiness and their sin. And so they could not see the goodness or the grace of God. They could only see his power. They could only see his holiness. They could only see the tempest. Verse 19, and the sound of a trumpet, right? So they didn't hear the loving words of Christ to the woman at the well or the woman they wanted to stone when he said, go and sin no more. Your sins have been forgiven. Uh, that's not what they heard. They heard the trumpet of God, the mighty voice of God, the thunderings of God, um, because 
that's as close as they could get to a righteous and holy God. There was a, there was still a barrier because of sin. And only through Moses as a mediator could they even know the word of God or the will of God. And it says, in the voice of words, which voice they heard, they entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them anymore. So when God would speak to them out of this tempest, they were so terrified by his voice. They were so convicted that they begged him not to speak anymore. And that's the way it would be apart from Christ. This is what our experience would be with God apart from the Lord Jesus. This is lets us know kind of what Jesus has done to bring us to God. That's the work that he's accomplished. In verse 20, for they could not endure that which was commanded, right? Because they knew in their flesh there was no way they could please God. There was, it was impossible. And God gave the commanded, commandment to them that if so much as a beast, if any animal was to touch that mountain, that it should be stoned or thrust through with the dark, that it should be killed immediately. So what we see here is a picture of man, man's sin, and the consequence of sin before a holy God. That even if an animal was to touch that mountain, because it was a holy mountain because God was there, that if any animal was to even touch it because of sin, they would have to be killed. And that translated to the men and women that were before that mountain. They knew, well, then if that's what's going to happen to an animal, then what? how much worse would it be for us? In verse 21, and so terrible was the sight. So not only in sound, not only in the commandment that if anyone or any animal even touches the mountain that they should be killed, that was terrifying. The sound was terrifying. But it says the sight uh, in verse 21. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So Moses got to go to the mountain. God allowed him come to, to come to the mountain and to come before him. And Moses had to remove his shoes, he says, because you're on holy ground. And Moses was terrified. He says, he didn't say, I just shake. I exceedingly fear and quake. He was terrified. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of terror that causes you to tremble uncontrollably, where your body is reacting to the, the fear and all of the chemicals that your body is oozing to activate your body because you need that activation to be able to run, to be able to respond quickly and react quickly. And your body is just responding. And Moses is there trembling out of fear because of um, what he saw. And he says, I exceedingly fear and I quake. This is, if we just stop right here, it would be heartbreaking because this is the picture of the unsaved coming before God, the unregenerate. When you go before God with just one sin, this is the experience that you, you have. This is a holy God that you're approaching as an unregenerate, 
unsaved person without having any redemption. This is the experience. It's terrifying. That's why death is so terrifying to unsaved people. Because this is all they have to look forward to is this experience with God. And subsequently, hell and the lake of fire. So this is how it was when God was initially establishing a relationship with man. And we know the Lord Jesus wanted more. God wanted to be closer. He wanted to be able to embrace man. But that couldn't happen without sin being dealt with. Even if an animal was to touch the mountain, it was to be killed. The law of God is without the shedding of blood, there is no re remission of sin. So when we see this, this is what the writer is saying. He's saying, this is not where we are. This is not the experience that we're having. No matter how difficult things are, we can't lose sight of the fact that the Lord Jesus has given us so much. He has brought us in. He's revealed the Father and the Father's love and torn down that partition and brought us close. So we don't have to fear God. We don't have to be afraid because the, the, the problem, the sin that separated us, that demanded to be judged by his holiness has been dealt with. Jesus took care of that on our behalf. And now we only see love. So that's what the, the writer is saying here, that we haven't come to this. This is the, the old covenant. This was the original experience. Look how much further we are, is what the writer is saying. Look where we are now, as opposed to where we were. He says in verse 22, but in contrast to, to that, ye are come unto Mount Zion unto the city of the living God. Okay, so we're not in a mountain with thunderings and darkness and fear. We have been brought to the city of God. God has a city for us called New Jerusalem. And we are as much in that city now as we'll ever be. There's nothing that can keep us from our citizenship there. Paul says our citizenship is already in heaven. We're already citizens of that city. That's what Jesus has given us. He's given us entrance into the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what we have. That's New Jerusalem as described in the book of Revelation. And to an innumerable company of angels... That's what awaits us. We have New Jerusalem. We have our citizenship there. We have a possession. We have a place there just for us individually and corporately. And there's an innumerable number of angels. That's what, that's, that's what await us. And we know from earlier studies in Hebrews that God has even placed us above the angels these awesome and powerful beings that only minister to him and do righteous 
do his righteous will. Um, that's the company that we'll be keeping in heaven along with the Lord Jesus. Uh, it sounds very wonderful to me. And I look forward to that. In verse 23, to the general assembly and the ecclesia or church of the firstborn. That's what we are. You know, I'm a member of this church, not the, the building that is here that someone built, um, but the member, a member of the church as a race of people. <laughs> the church began with these Hebrew believers. After uh, the Lord ascended, he gave the commission to go and to preach the gospel. And these people believed and they became the first members of the church before any Gentile was ever saved. And these people who experienced all these difficult things, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're hearing this and you're saved, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I may never meet you here on earth. I may never even know that you exist uh, personally, but I know that we are together members of this church, this called out body of people who will spend eternity in service and enjoy enjoying God, enjoying the Lord Jesus personally, even as we get to enjoy him right now. And our experiences may be different, our races, our history, our location, our language, maybe our culture. But in Christ, we're one. We're going to be a part of this general assembly of the church. And God has some wonderful things planned for us um, that uh, we can't even imagine right now. The not the least of which is to be able to enjoy him forever. If I didn't know anything else about what awaited us in heaven, just knowing that I'll get to enjoy the Lord Jesus apart from sin, that I'll get to love him the way that he deserves to be loved, the way he deserves to be worshiped, and that I'll be able to do that unencumbered by sin, that that's heaven. That's heaven for me. So that's what, we, that's what awaits us. We have this general assembly and church of the firstborn. Well, the firstborn is the Lord Jesus. He's the firstborn unto um, eternity. You know, when he was resurrected, he was resurrected to eternal life. And he's the firstborn and we are the subsequent ones who will be um, also given a a new body and be a part of this this church that's his it's his church it says which are written in heaven well that's because that's in the lamb's book of life our names are already there they're already written there in heaven for eternity um, that's part of how he's going to honor us um, in heaven is that our names are there uh, that's that's because of his love for us. Uh, it's not because of anything that we've done or anything that's positive in us. It's because he wrote our names in heaven. You know, before the foundation of earth, before the foundation of the world, he he knew us and he called us out 
and placed us, the Father placed us in Christ, and now he's calling out his church throughout time. So we're already citizens of heaven. Our names are written there in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says, and to God, the judge of all. Well, that's the main thing. God is there. Not just, when I say God, I don't mean just the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean the Trinity. Heaven is a place where we will be before God. We will exist in God's presence. And who is God? Well, God is the judge of all. So if we're going to meet him who is a judge of all, what's the significance of that? Well, the significance is that we're not going to meet him as judge. Those who be, we've already been judged through Christ. And I think that that's going to always be before us. Somehow in heaven, we're always going to be conscious of the fact that we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We're going to be very conscious of what it is that we deserve and that God extended us grace in spite of that. And it's going to cause us to constantly worship God, constantly. It should right now. We should be doing that now. That should be the response of every believer who's been saved. Every believer. And it says, to the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, that's that ultimately every person who will ever be saved in the eternal state, we're all going to be together. Initially, we have the church in New Jerusalem. Then there's a thousand year reign of Christ on earth and all the uh, resurrected saints from the Old Testament. They have to be get their 1,000 years on earth along with whomever makes it through the tribulation that will enter into this kingdom. And they're going to have that. But at the end of that thousand year period, we're all going to be together. And the way that you would describe us is not going to be, well, this is the church and those are the resurrected saints that were uh, from the Old Testament. It's not, we're all going to be made one and we will be just men made perfect. We'll all be made perfect, one in Christ. And we will receive that, we will all receive that uh, title of being justified in Christ and made perfect in Christ. That's the ultimate will and purpose of God as described in Scripture. Um, verse 24, and it says, And we're brought unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than Abel. What does that mean? Well, we saw Moses as the mediator mentioned earlier in the old covenant, the old relationship. Moses represented the people. Well, he was just a man. He was afraid. He trembled. He didn't have full understanding of who God was and what God was doing. He just obeyed God. And he was a righteous and a wonderful leader for the people. But there was still this problem of sin that separated the people from really having true fellowship because the mediation had to go from God 
to a man, Moses, and Moses to the people. And when Moses came back and saw that they made that golden calf, he got very angry with them. He manifested his sin nature. Even though it was a righteous anger, he still got angry and disappointed. And he was constantly disappointed with the people. They didn't stop him from manifesting love and praying on their behalf. But, I mean, he was just a man. There was only so much that he could do. Now we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant. We have the son of God who took upon flesh, became a man so that he could experience what it is to be a man. And at the same time, live a life that was righteous and perfect without sin that no man could ever do. And he was all of our sin, the sin of all of those whom God has purposed to save was placed upon him. And the consequence of that, he died. He had to die. And in his death, he, he took the penalty of the death that we deserve. And the father was pleased with his sacrifice because he had no sin. But he took the sin of those whom uh, the father had given him to save. And he was resurrected. And that's the proof and the evidence that we have truly been saved, that the Father is pleased. And now that we don't, we don't have to go before a tempest and darkness and things that are scary. Now, because of Jesus, we can go before the Father. And the Father doesn't see a sinner anymore. He sees his Son in us. And we were sealed with God the Holy Spirit as an earnest, a down payment of what awaits us. And because the Lord Jesus was resurrected, now salvation is his to give to whomever he wants. He is a mediator between God and man. He is the mediator, Jesus. Not the Lord Jesus Christ, but Jesus, the man. God became man and took upon flesh. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And now we have this new covenant. And the new covenant is in his blood. His sacrifice is what allows us to have access to the Father apart from sin. You know, we don't talk about sin enough. People do not talk about sin enough. Sin is the real problem. My personal sin and your personal sin. That's the problem. That's what separates us from God. That's what causes us to go down paths that defile others and ourselves. And it's important for us to always confess our sin and go before our mediator. That's what we were told earlier on in Hebrews. We have a mediator in the Lord Jesus. He's our high priest. We can go before him, confess our sin, and he's faithful to cleanse us from it and place us on the right path. And it's so important for believers to utilize that high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus. It's so important for us. If we're going to be effective tools on his behalf, there has to be a cleansing. And it should be something that's done regularly. It's hard because every time we go before him, we have to admit to ourselves that we failed. And that's difficult. We don't want to do that. We don't want to face our failures. 
we want to ignore them. But we, we don't have that luxury. God has made us to be believer priests, and we have work to do. And to be effective at that work requires us to be cleansed. And we have to go before him for that and acknowledge our sin. It's very important for us to do that. I exhort you to, to do that. And, and so Jesus is our mediator, the mediator of this new covenant. And we also have been brought to the blood of sprinkling. Now, sprinkling is something they used to do whenever there's a sacrifice. They would come before the priest. Hey, I sinned. I'm bringing this sacrifice on behalf of my sin. The person would place their hand on the head of the animal. The priest would cut the animal's throat and draw the blood. And that was a very violent, tactile picture of the consequence of sin. That person had to watch and see death happen because of sin. And that, and there's a reason why God did that. It's to make us unimpressed, to impress upon these people and us how terrible sin is and the consequence of it. And so that blood would then be sprinkled on the altar and uh, that sacrifice would be made acceptable on behalf of that person's sin. But Jesus, well, his blood, it, it speaks of greater things than an animal sacrifice. It's the blood of the Son of God. That is the highest sacrifice that could ever be made. And it's higher than we even can conceive of. It is God dying on behalf of sinners. That's what he did. And it says, his blood speaketh better things than that of Abel. And remember how when Cain killed Abel, God said his blood is crying out, saying, hey, you know, he killed me unjustly. He murdered me. He said his blood was crying out. Well, if the blood of a righteous man cries out, what do you think the sound of the blood of God is? Well, it's eternal redemption. That's what it is. So as the picture is, as sin is yelling, uh, put him in hell. You go to hell. That's what one sin cries out. You go to hell. You go to hell. You go to hell. That's where you're, hell in the lake of fire is where you're going. But the blood of Christ speaks over that and says, I redeemed him and quiets the sin and does away with it. So that now all the father hears is that righteous blood of Christ speaking on our behalf, better things than that of Abel. We owe Christ so much. I mean, just meditate on these things, if you would. I just pray you would meditate on all that the Lord Jesus has done for us and really try to, and ask the Lord to put these things in perspective and apply them to your lives in a way that, that makes it very real to you. And the more that happens, the more, the closer you will become to being what God has purposed for you to be, the closer you will draw to the Lord Jesus, the, the more you'll understand and appreciate the love that he has for you. And then you'll understand that no matter 
what anybody says or does, nothing can separate you from that love. And that love is more precious and valuable than your life. Okay? That's how precious that love is. That's how precious his blood is. That's why it says here, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So with that, I'm going to uh, close, but I hope that you are able to see the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us. The, the difference between the relationship that the nation Israel experienced over time and how that we have, we have so much more now in this new covenant. We have the Lord Jesus. We don't have to go through uh, someone else. We don't have to go to a mountain to experience God. We don't have to be afraid and see a tempest and fire and thunderings. We don't have that. We don't have that experience with God. We've been brought into the home of God. We have been brought into the city, the dwelling of God, and we are citizens along with God in that place. And while we're here on this earth, in this body, while we're tethered to this existence, it's important that we understand of what we have before us and that we live our lives in a way that reflect what we believe. If you believe that that is your home, if you believe that God is there waiting for you and he's made a, prepared a place for you, then we don't get so caught up in the things of this world. You know, the things of this world seem to be like nothing in comparison to these things that are eternal. And so we can experience different things here in light of the fact that God has redeemed us and he has a purpose for us. And so we don't have to grab at everything that the world throws our way, right? We can find peace and contentment in the knowledge of the Lord's love for us and, the, and experience his love. It's something that we can experience daily, constantly. He's always here for us. And I think that's what the writer is trying to get across to us, that we have better things, that we as believers in this new covenant, we've, we've, uh, we've gotten to skip right to the good part, <laughs> you might say. So we have to understand that and keep that before us. And it's all because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. I cannot overemphasize the love of Christ, the love of God in the Lord Jesus for us and what he's done. And I pray that he would impress that upon each of us. Um, let's close. Father, thank you so much that you have brought us to this, this place of knowing you through your son. Thank you for revealing yourself through him. I pray, Father, that we would appreciate how that you have revealed yourself throughout time to man in so many different ways. 
and how that each one of these appearances or revelations of yourself speak to an aspect of your glory, of your power, and how that you've equipped us to be able to not only understand and to know your grace, but also to be able to perceive the goodness and the grace that you have for us in our future and revealing to us the, our future place in Christ, the perfection that awaits us, um, how that you have purposed all these things and you're showing us to give us comfort so that we can be comforted that as this world seems to be going in several different directions all at once as it's you know flying through space at thousands of miles an hour that all of this is well within your control all a part of your purpose and all of it glorifies you and i pray that we would be faithful to glorify you with our lives it's in jesus name we pray amen